Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. I have realized that there is a fine line between something being retro and cool and something just being old. And there is a fine line between it. Retro, something that imitates a style, fashion, or design of the past. I'm amazed at how things come back around, like my mullet. That's an actual senior yearbook picture right there. And the mullet is back. Have you noticed that? The mullet is back. I, I walk around the mall and I'm amazed at, at the, the, the people, the men and women that have mullets. And it, it's amazing to me. The mullet is back. We can get that off the screen now. That's good. Thank you. In high school, we wore jean jackets. Do you remember those Levi jean jackets that we had? They're back. Both of my kids have jean jackets. It's retro. It's cool now. I remember in middle school, we wore the, the Converse, Chuck Taylor All-Stars. Anybody? Not today. Back then, you had the Converse. In middle school, it was retro then. They did not come out when I was in middle school. They came out decades earlier. But now, I'm in middle school, and I, and I, I, I find myself, I had like three or four different colors of these shoes. Now, they're, they're back. They're popular. You see them everywhere. It's amazing how things come back. And when I was a child, I had a very large collection of Star Wars action figures. I know that there's at least one person in our church that has a pretty large selection of Star Wars action figures because every Sunday morning, right after the first service, Sam Hersom in his wheelchair, he'll, he'll go through the line and in his, in his belt band there, he'll pull out an action figure. And I have to guess who it is. It's a game that we've been playing for a couple of years. And, and actually this past week weekend, uh, or this past week, um, Sam and I, we got to go see Star Wars The Last Jedi uh, together. And, and two years ago, on the same day, we were able uh, to, to see The Force Awakens together. So it's kind of become this ritual thing. But I'm telling you, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. And when I was a kid, I had a lot of Star Wars paraphernalia, man. I had all kinds of stuff. I had the, 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 the action figures. I had the C-3PO case that you could put action figures in. I had the Darth Vader head case that you could put action figures. I'm really nerding out right now. I know it, but it's okay. It's okay. I had the Millennium Falcon. I had the Death Star. I had the Ewok Village. Man, I'm telling you, I had At-Ats, Tauntaun. Should I keep going? I had, my mom and I figured this up one time when I, when I was a kid. Because every Christmas, every birthday, it's all I would ask. I have three older brothers. I had my parents, two sets of grandparents. And the only thing I would ask for years is just buy me Star Wars. That's all I wanted. And my mom and I figured it up one time. And I had over, as a kid, over $2,000 worth of retail Star Wars merchandise. Spoiled rotten. I had... Over $2,000 worth of this stuff. And somewhere around the age of 12 or 13 years old, I decided that that wasn't cool anymore. And the Star Wars, the original trilogy, had become kind of a thing of the past. And we were moving forward, you know. And, and, and so I decided I was going to sell all my Star Wars merchandise. And I put it in a yard sale. And I made about $120, maybe $150 
off of it, and we were going on vacation, and I blew all that money on that vacation. In retrospect, <laughs> I wish I would have kept some of that stuff. Some of the clothes, some of the toys, the mullet. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm glad, glad I got rid of the mullet. And if you have a mullet, shame on you. Some things need to be left. No, just kidding. No, not really. Retrospect. Retrospect. A review of our meditation on past events. The prefix, retro, means back. What's behind you? What you've already seen? What you've already been through? And spec is a component. It's used in the words like inspect, spectator, spectacles, and perspective, among many other words, all of which have to do with looking or seeing. So retrospect means looking back, looking at what you've already been through, looking at what's behind you, retrospect. And often when we look back in retrospect, there are regrets and there are, there's remorse involved and, 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 and it's often not good for us. It, it, it comes out in statements like this. In retrospect, I should have waited patiently. You ever said something like that? Looking back, I should have been more patient or I should have studied more. Some of the students in the room, you don't get it right now, but one day you'll wake up and you'll be like, I should have studied more, Kendall. <laughs> I should have tried harder. I should have stayed longer. You don't see it now. In that moment, you never see it. But hindsight is often, if almost always, 2020 vision, right? Because once you've already lived through it and you've, you've witnessed your own mistakes and, and the consequences of all that, now you get through that and you look back on that part of your life and 2020 sees it perfect. You see it perfectly. And, and in other words, when I look back in retrospect, I see things very clearly. I could not see it clearly before, but now I see it clearly. And there's not a better time to look at the past year than on the last day of the year. And, and I honestly, church, I don't think that this is just by happenstance. I don't think this is coincidence. I think this is a God-ordained moment for us that December the 31st, 2017 falls on a Sunday. The last day of the year is on a day that we're together and we worship. And, and, and I think God has orchestrated this and he's designed it for this moment because I think some of you, including me, we are about to have an encounter with God this morning that, that is going to take us to the next level of our relationship with him and on the journey that he has before us. And so a day like today is great to look back in retrospect. I mean, we all want a better year, right? But we have to be careful because it's okay to look back but you can't stare at it you can't stay there in that moment I want to read to you this morning from Genesis chapter 19 I'm gonna read Genesis 19 verses 15 through 26 I've realized that I have alluded to this these biblical characters here, these people that we're about to talk about. Um, I've read some other aspects of the, the life of Lot, but I have never read to you the verses that I'm about to read this morning. I've talked about it, 
but I've never read these verses, and today I want to dig into them. Genesis chapter 19, starting with verse 15. As morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. But he lingered. So the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, the Lord being merciful to him. And they brought him out and set him outside the city. And as they brought them out, one said, Escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills, lest you be swept away. And Lot said to them, Oh no, my lords, behold, your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have shown me great kindness in saving my life. But I cannot escape to the hills, lest the disaster overtake me and I die. Behold, this city is near enough to flee to, and it is a little one. Let me escape there. It is, not, is it not a little one? And my life will be saved. He said to him, Behold, I grant you this favor also, that I will not overthrow the city of which you have spoken. Escape there quickly, for I can do nothing till you arrive there. Therefore the name of the city was called Zoar. The sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zoar. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and, and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. But Lot's wife behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. Now, allow me for the next few moments to explain to you the Lot family situation. I don't want to go too long with this, so I'll keep it short. Not a lot. <laughs> Pun intended. So, let me talk just a little about Lot. Lot rode the coattail of his uncle Abe, Abram, Abraham. Abraham had acquired much wealth. And as they traveled, even more wealth came to him. And he treated Lot as an equal, brought him alongside. So we had two families, two large families traveling together with all of their servants and all of, all of, all of their, their livestock. And there came this point in time where they were at a crossroads, and Abraham knew it. The two families were not getting together. They were living in too close a proximity to each other, and they needed some space. And Abraham realized this. And so Abraham calls Lot, and, and he, he says, let's stand here together. And he said, I'm going to give you the choice. He said, you can have all of that land, or you can have all of this land. But if you go that way, I'll go this way. If you go that way, I'll go this way. But it's your choice, Lot. Whichever direction you go, I'll go the other way. It's your choice. And Lot did not hesitate. When Lot looked in one direction, he saw green pastures. He saw beautiful farmland. And immediately, Lot claims this land for his family. And the problem with all of this is that that land that looked so lush was in the direction of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And if you know anything about the cities of, of Sodom and Gomorrah, you'll know that this was no place, these were no places that you would want to raise a family. I, I, I've, I've never really been to Las Vegas. I've had a layover in the airport in Las Vegas, so I hadn't spent a lot of time there. But from what I've seen and from what I understand, in the heart of that city is not a place that you would want to raise your family. If you have family members there, I apologize. But from what I've seen, I'm sure the suburbs are nice, but, but in the heart of that city, that's not a place where you want to raise a family. You don't want your small kids learning the values of life there in the heart of Las Vegas. Now just multiply that many times and you can realize how extreme 
the evil lifestyle was in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. It was no place that, that you wanted to raise your family and, and, and Lot did not take the time to think about the consequences of how this is going to affect his family. Church, always remember this. The grass may look greener on the other side, but when you get there, you often find out that it's really artificial turf. Those women that you look at on your computer screen, just remember, they're artificial turf. Artificial in many ways, okay? That car salesman may have convinced you that you look good in that new car. That new car that you cannot afford. But that new car smell that you smell when you sit in that new car, it's artificial. I'm telling you, it's fake. I know it is. It's fake. They plant it there. I know this for a fact. It is fake because it goes away with each and every car payment that you make. Artificial turf. Those old high school friends that like to drink it up and, 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 and they like to be the life of the party. Trust me when I tell you, they're artificial turf in your life. They are, and, and I can prove this to you because when you and your family hit a crisis, you won't call on them to pray for you. It's artificial turf. And, and you cannot get anything to grow out of artificial turf, not even your family. And Lot's family was not thriving. Lot's family, they were dying. In Sodom, they were dying. There was this one time that you read about in scriptures, just I believe about a chapter earlier, where the two angels of the Lord came to Sodom's house. I mean, came to Lot's house in, outside of Sodom. And the men of Sodom gathered around and they wanted to have sexual relations, relations with these men in his house. They had no idea that they were messengers from God. And listen to how messed up in his thinking Lot was. Lot offered his daughters, his two daughters to them instead. Leave my guests alone. You can have my daughters. Sick. Later on, his, his daughters, they would, they would hook up with sinful men. His wife, she didn't just move to Sodom. When she got there, Sodom moved into her. It became who she was. And she has a hard time leaving Sodom. We find them fleeing for their lives from Sodom. And, and Sister Lot is having this hard time leaving it behind because all she can think about are the, the friendships that she developed. You know, I don't care if, if they're godly or ungodly. When you take the time and you invest in a relationship and a friendship, it's hard to walk away from that. This is the reason why scripture says above all else guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life you fall in love with with relationships and you have to guard yourself in those relationships and she is having a hard time leaving some of those relationships behind and, and she's having a hard time leaving behind the party and lifestyle and the temptations and all the fun and, and here's what the enemy does for you he'll put fun out in front of you for a season and he will never show you the heartbreak that it's going to bring later on in life Lot's wife had experienced all of this and she feels like she needs them in her life and they're not a hurry to, in, in a hurry to leave the city but when they finally start leaving on the outskirts of that city she looks back and the Bible says that she turns into a pillar of salt now that's an interesting 
She, she could have turned into anything else. But a pillar of salt? It's interesting to me that the Bible uses this term pillar because the word in Hebrew for pillar refers to something to set watch over a territory or a region. It's like if you have a pillar in the community, it's, a, it's an older man or an older woman who, who is wise counsel for other people. They are the pillar of the community. They're there to set watch over that region or over that territory. And the Bible describes her as a pillar of salt. The location of ancient Sodom, uh, many scholars believe that, that that location is at the bottom of the Dead Sea today where it is so salty that it is lifeless the Dead Sea's salt concentration is a staggering 33.7%, 8.6 times saltier than ocean water, which is about 3.5% salt. Just accidentally swallowing the water while diving could lead to near instant asphyxiation. I remember my Bible teacher, he was showing us some slides in, in class one day, and he was showing us pictures of his trip to the Holy Land. And, and they were on a boat in the Dead Sea, floating on the Dead Sea. And, and while on that boat, there were some, some Asian tourists on the boat with them. And there was a language barrier. And the tour guide tells everyone on the boat, now you're going to have a chance to get into the Dead Sea, but don't just jump in. So we need to keep everything above your shoulders up out of the water because the salt content, it, 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 it will really burn your eyes. You don't want to get this in your eyes at all. And so just ease into the water, and then it, the salt content is, is so, so thick that you just float. You have no problem floating in the Dead Sea. Well, this language barrier caused a problem for these Asian tourists and they just started jumping in, cannonballing off the boat and, and, and our, our, our teacher was telling, our Bible teacher was telling us they just, they're all jumping in and as soon as they hit the water heads went under and when they come back up out, they, they said their eyes were, were just burning, they were in excruciating pain, immediately the tour guide grabs them, gets them back up in the boat they have to beeline for the shore, get them to the hospital to flush their eyes out or they could possibly go blind salt Causes it to be lifeless. Lot's wife becomes a pillar of salt standing watch over the Dead Sea area where to this day no life can exist. Jesus warned us in Luke 17 and 32, and he says these three words Remember Lot's wife. That's what he tells us. Remember, that's his warning. Remember Lot's wife. Remember how looking back at the past messed up her future. It killed her. She had no chance of survival as long as she was focusing on the past. And when you get stuck thinking about the past, you have to forget your past. And Jesus says, remember her past. Remember what it did to her. I love this, this Peanuts comic strip that's going to be on the screen here where Lucy is apologizing to Charlie Brown for missing a fly ball during a baseball game. And she says, sorry, I missed that easy fly ball manager. And she continues and she said, I thought I had it, but suddenly I remembered all the others I've missed. And she, she concludes with this, the past got in my eyes. Let me talk to you about the end of 2017. Because the last thing you want to do is drag your past with you into 2018. 
And what keeps some of you from fulfilling what God wants to do in your life is because the past gets stuck in your eyes. And you've got to be willing to leave that past back in 2017. Hey, maybe, maybe it was 2016 where all the mistakes were made or, or where the sins were committed against you. But yet you still, you pull those along. Or maybe, maybe it was the early 2000s or, or the mid-90s or, 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 or even the mid-80s. Maybe it was something that happened in 1950. But decade after decade, you just keep dragging this past with you and you will not leave it alone. You've got to learn to leave the past where it belongs so that you can focus on where God wants to take you into your future. And there's no need for you to drag all of that, that baggage from 2017 and even beyond into this new year, into 2018. Don't allow the mishaps of 2017 to make you miss the miracles of 2018. Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19 says, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Do you hear what God is speaking to us? Listen to what he says in Philippians 3 and 13. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. How many of you are looking forward to what lies ahead in 2018? Amen? How many of you are ready to leave 2017 behind you and not pull all that stuff into 2018? Amen? I was coming home from, from Jacksonville last week. Mandy and Kendall and I, and we, were, we were driving and we passed this, this stretch of road and these memories came, came uh, just, just flooding back into my mind as, as we drove through there. Somewhere between McClenny and Lake Butler. It's on a two-lane road. And I'll never forget a few years ago, I was driving by myself in the car and, and there was a car in front of me that came to a, to a stop and they're waiting on another car to pass and they're going to make a left-hand turn in, into their destination there. And so I'm right behind it, and we slow down, and, and soon they come to a stop. And I'm just waiting on them to turn, and I look in my rearview mirror. And coming up behind me, there is a car at full speed. They, they are not slowing down. They obviously do not see and, uh, you know, that we have stopped. And, and the only thing that, can, that is going through my mind, I mean, everything's just kind of racing. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, they're texting. They're, they're not looking up. They're fiddling with the radio, all this. And I'm watching this car as it is zooming. It's going to rear end me, and it's going to mess me up and, and, and them up and everything. And I'm thinking, oh, no, what am I going to do? And I'm watching all this happen in my rearview mirror. And so because I am like one of the wisest people I've ever met in my life, <laughs> only thing I could think of was just start stomping on my brake. Because that would cause my taillights to flash, right? And so I'm just stomping on my brake, and I'm watching it in the rearview mirror, and I'm bracing myself, and I'm like, oh, no, I'm about to die. And I'm doing that, and at the last moment, right before the impact, they must have seen the taillights, or they looked up or something, and they veer off the road to the right, go through the ditch, across the culvert. The car's banging all around. They're about to hit a fence, and they come to a stop. They've passed me, and they're, they're a, a good you know, 25 yards off the road, and almost hit a fence, and I'm now starting to ease off after the car turned in front of me, and I look, and I make eye contact with the driver, and you can look, and they're just, I mean, just wide-eyed, and I look over at them, and they look at me, and I, I, you're, you're okay? 
I'm not stopping. You're on your own now. And I just kept going. But I know it scared the living daylights out of them because it scared me. Let me tell you something about the rearview mirror. It does serve a purpose. It's hard to go through life and not look back. We, we all do it. Everyone does it. But you glance at it to assure your safety, but it's impossible to drive responsibly if you're staring at the rearview mirror. I'm not going to ask you to try it because it, be, it, it would be ludicrous for you to do that. But if you are staring at the rearview mirror, it's impossible for you to get to where you need to go. You've heard this before, but there's a reason why the rearview mirror is this big and the front windshield is this big. You glance at this, you focus on this. And in life, you glance at what's behind you because you can learn some valuable lessons from that. From what you've been through, from past decisions you've made, for decisions that were made that altered your life. You can learn from that. But glance at it. Don't you focus on it because you've got the windshield of life in front of you and the path that God has prepared for you. That's what you have to focus on. It's okay to learn from the past, but it's not okay to live there. And one of the greatest weapons that the enemy uses against you is your past. If you, if you just totally forget everything else that I've shared with you today, hear God's word to you this morning. Don't live in your past and expect to arrive at your future. Why do you want to live in your past? You're not going there. You've already been there. Let God prepare the path before you and focus on where God wants to take you. On April 11th, 2010, my life forever changed. Because April 11th, 2010 will always be remembered in my mind as the dumbest day of my life. You ever had one of those days that you look back on and you're like, I made the biggest mistake on that day it was a Sunday I'll never forget it I had poured my mind my heart everything into the, those Sunday services on that day because it was it was a vision Sunday and I had stored so many stats about our church and, and growth and, and attendance and finances and everything I'd put all that in my head so that I could present it that day. And it was just a long weekend for me of preparation and then presentation. And when I walked out of here on that Sunday, I, I was spent, man. I was done. And we had a relaxing day scheduled to be at a lake on the other side of Gainesville, out towards Hawthorne. It was my family, four of us, Pastor Andrew and his wife, and the Chatfields. And Sean Chatfield had a couple of, of jet skis, large jet skis, that we were to be riding on that lake that day. What you have to realize is that I grew up around boats and jet skis and things like that. It's, I, it's, it's not foreign to me. Even my kids, numerous times, they've been on jet skis with me. And we've been on rivers and lakes and all over Tampa Bay but on this particular day Kendall was on the back of the jet ski with me and as we were going across the water I know Sean sprayed us we sprayed him and 
I look up at the dock and Pastor Andrew, he's got his little grill out. He's getting ready to grill some hamburgers. And in my mind, I think this is going to be epic. I'm going to put his grill out. I'm going to go by, I'm going to spray the dock and, and there's going to be smoke everywhere. He's going to be ticked. It's going to be awesome. I told Kendall, I said, we're going to spray the dock. Hold on. She's, she's done this with me before. It's not, not a problem. But mentally, I wasn't there. Spent. And I'm flying up to that dock. These were big jet skis, and I remember thinking to myself, I'm coming in too hot. And I let off the throttle. And if you know anything about a jet ski, and, and I did, when you let off the throttle, you can't turn it. You, you give it gas to make it turn. And I let off the throttle, and when I did, I tried to turn, it would not turn, and we start hydroplaning towards that dock. And right before impact, by the grace of God, I took my arm, and I knocked my daughter off the back of that thing. Just hit her as hard as I could, just knocked her off the back. And right below the, the, the steering wheel, this jet ski, right below, right below that, that steering column there, it hit a two by six on that dock. Broke that two by six and it slammed me up into the dock, this side of my body. Just fell back into the water. The jet ski went underneath the dock and I quickly grabbed Kendall and I just, I just lifted her up to Andrew where he could pull her out. My wife, my son, everybody is just freaking out and I just laid back and I cannot feel my lower body. They dragged me out. Needless to say, the whole day was ruined. I tried to just go home and, and just sleep it off, but I was, I was in a lot of pain. And I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I've never had a pain-free day since that day. I never had any medical problems up until then, but I've never had a pain-free day since that. Some days are better than others, but... And, and if you were around here during that time, you'll remember... I had to start preaching from a bar stool for, for a season just because it, it would hurt just to stand for a while. It would take them a few months to figure out, you know, all the little things, tearing a meniscus and things like that. But the physical stuff, it, it was what it was and it is what it is. But the mental stuff that followed me after that, and, and most of you didn't even know it. Because I'm pretty good at getting up and putting on a facade. I know that one of the things that people praise me for, and I don't know if it deserves to be praised or not, but is that I'm very transparent when I preach. The problem is for about a year I wasn't. Because I'd wake up in the middle of the night, and the only person that knows this is my wife, I'd wake up in the middle of the night in just cold sweats, just reliving that moment where I almost killed me and my daughter. That same day that, that, that we had the jet ski accident, a lady in Taylor County was killed on a jet ski hitting a dock the same exact day. And I, I was just mentally messed up. And I remember after about a year of going through that, and just putting on the facade like everything was right. I mean, I'd watch TV, and when, when jet ski commercials would come on, I would get sick on my stomach. I would feel like I was about to vomit. After about a year, I just decided, 
I'm not living in that past anymore. It's not meant for me to live there. Christ didn't endure what he endured for me to be stuck in that past. He has a past at Calvary so that I have a future beyond that. And I just made up my mind, I'm not staying there. That baggage is not going to continue on with me. And I decided I was going to lay that at the foot of the cross. And let God just do a work inside of me. I've had a few people tell me that even after service this morning, somebody came to me and they said, you know, you experience PTSD. And I'm thinking to myself, man, there's people a whole lot worse than I am that's had PTSD. I don't know if that's what it, but I know this. It was something that was haunting me that would not allow me to move forward in my destiny and what God wanted. But I gave it to him. And he worked inside of me. And he began to heal me mentally. I remember the first time I stepped foot back on a boat. It was years later. that I finally got up the courage just to step foot back on a boat. And it was a pontoon boat pontoon boat and I remember stepping foot on that and just gaining victory and saying you know what I'm not letting that dictate my life leave the past behind you don't carry it into 2018 if it's forgiveness maybe maybe you need to forgive someone and it's not even your fault it's not even your fault not even not even close to being your fault but that bitterness that you keep carrying, it's hindering you, not the person you're holding it against. Maybe it's forgiving yourself because of past mistakes that you've made and, and, and you, you just need to leave it back there and say, God, I can't fix that, but I can trust that you can fix me moving forward. God my life is in your hands do it do it do whatever you want to do that's what this moment is about right now don't let your past dictate your future it's not worth it thank you for listening to the podcast of dcc for service times and directions log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org thanks again for listening